Folks, what's going on? Wake back here for a new edition of the Crowdasis podcast. This episode of The Cap, as always, brought to you by Picasso's Pizza. Now's the time to be supporting local businesses, obviously, so you got to make sure that you're supporting our good friends at Picasso's. Open for takeout, delivery, and maniac. I bet you didn't know this. They deliver nationwide. I was on their Facebook page the other day, found that out. If you're like I, I that, that's news to me. If you're all over the nation, you can be getting that yummy, delicious Picasso's pizza. No reason to hesitate. Yeah, now people like me who moved out of Buffalo, I don't have an excuse anymore. I got Picasso's coming for this Saturday. Just got to gear up for, you know, whatever sports are going to be happening next weekend. It's a perfect way to celebrate with sports being back, have it to watch with your family, make it a part of your game day traditions, especially when football season comes back. And, you know, for the first time with, you know, all the press conferences and all the news this week, I feel like I see that light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, we actually might be seeing football in September. A lot of people have been doubtful. Uh, I'm not going to yeah. lie. It was kind of crazy. It's kind of like, I feel like we've been kind of playing craps with sports. You know, people have just been rolling, mm-hmm. been kind of going along with it, roll the roll. Uh, up until this past week, I mean, I was kind of thinking we would have Buffalo College football. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. that got canceled recently. But with that news came uh, reports to Pro Football Talk that, yeah, the NFL planning on going full speed ahead. There is no idea of cancellation in their minds. So if you're worried about no football this fall, nothing to worry about. One thing we all were worried about this week was the potential of not having Trey White on the field. So Maniac, on a scale of like one to me when I got my first speeding ticket and I had to tell my parents about it, how nervous were you about Trey White? I I, I went through a couple different stages. So one, when he originally said the – when he made the comments and I was seeing the tweets like with the quotes and whatnot – I was only at about like a two and a half or a three. I thought this was standard like punk talk, press conference talk, yada, yada, yada. So at that point, I fired out a tweet that if Trey White held out, I, I would give somebody a hundred bucks because yeah. I just did not believe it. I thought, and I, and I like to do this kind of ridiculousness. I like to uh, <laughs> put my well-being on the line for claims on Twitter, as you can see by my hair. Absolutely. But then <laughs> after I put that tweet out, of course, Every reporter who is on the call is basically like, I think he's going to hold out or I think he's (laughs) going to opt out. And then I went to about a four to a five. Mm -hmm. Then he has the messages coming out the next morning where he's like, you know, I see who the real fans are, yada, yada, yada. And I'm not yada, 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 because it's not important. It was just a very long tweet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Then I was about, I was still at about a five, maybe a six. But then the one thing that did kind of comfort me was when um, his significant other tweeted out. So obviously two sides to every relationship. We just have a lot of like judgments being passed. It's not 4 p.m. yet. And I'm like, if it was, if we were waiting till 4 p.m. and she's calling out people for being like the judgmental type, yeah. there's no way he's opting out then because she's saying the flip side was going to happen. So that brought me back down to about a two or a three. And then finally, go. Ort Report brought me back to a zero wake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was, that's kind of the same exact progression I had. But, you know, then as soon as it hit about like 3.45 p.m. on Thursday, I just, you know, my heart started racing. I felt like it was like a trade deadline. And then, but like the NHL trade deadline, it comes and passes, and it's way more underwhelming than you thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't the trade deadline. It was the trade deadline. <laughs> oh I see what you did there <laughs> but yeah like you said it's not like it's not important like you know he's got a daughter he shared his perspective on everything so like you know if, if he were to have we would have understood it but you know there's no doubt that if 
things didn't go the way they had, uh, you know, we might not be as bullish on the Bills being like clear division favorites and everything. Maybe when you take in the Wait, other opt outs into account, but yeah. yeah. Well, everything has gone the Bills' way so far this offseason. I mean, Tom mm-hmm. Brady going to Tampa. I don't care how you spend that with Cam Newton, Stidham. That's an improvement for the Bills. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Dolphins are – you know, it looks like the Dolphins are actually making some moves across the board. Uh, they brought in a ton of players, a lot of players on the defensive side. They drafted Tua, obviously. But mm-hmm. you got to think they're still a couple years away, cause it fe- or at least one or two, because it felt like Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of saved them this year. And then you yeah. just have the dumpster fire that's the Jets. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I could watch this team have storylines every day. It never gets old. Whether it's Manish Mehta tweeting mm. out that Sam Darnold is the best America's quarterback sweetheart. in the universe. <laughs> or, you know, C.J. Mosley or Jamal Adams just wanting nothing to do with playing for Adam Gase in 2020. Mm. I am all about that. But, uh, yeah, it was, quite the, uh, it was quite an experience at 345, 350 that day with Trey. Things were getting crazy. People were definitely letting their emotions get the best of them. Yeah. And just to be clear, when it comes to the emotion side, and I, I've said this a couple times on it, it is totally fine. I mean, and, and someone can tell me it's not. I'm always down to be told I'm wrong, and I'm never uh, hesitant to believe it. I'll tell you that much. I'm usually wrong, to- actually, yeah. Yes, safe mm-hmm. to assume. Um, it is totally okay, in my mind, to be a person – who understands that Trey White has a family and Trey White has, you know, these responsibilities as a, you know, a human adult. And then it's totally okay to also within yourself as a Bills fan, be very upset at the idea of losing your, one of your best defensive players for the year. It's totally fine to be that. Mm-hmm. Obviously you would hope to not be slanted uh, either which way, to be honest. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's probably, I would say like 80% of the people probably fall into that. You know, we want him to play, but we understand if he doesn't, you know, when he comes out talking to all these people who, you know, are are trash talking him and whatnot, you go through the replies and it's like, you know, it's, it's reassuring to see that most of the people are saying like, dude, don't worry. Like most of us understand the people who don't, you know, don't worry about them. They're, they're a lost cause basically. But like, if it's, it's just, you know, I, I think it has to do with the vitriol happen. of it. It has to, yeah. you know, cause the internet, the trolls, the people who are a little bit logical on there. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a piece of crap for doing that. Yada, yada, yada. Whereas nobody who was like saying he was doing the right decision. Trey, you are the best for making this very responsible decision. <laughs> like, you know, like they yeah. weren't hyping him up as much as the people who are naysaying or putting out. So I'm not surprised. He's an emotional guy. I'm emotional on social media. So I don't mind when, you know, yeah. athletes act like I would. I think, you know, we, we see it that it's 90-10 positive in response. He sees, like, thousands of remarks. You know what I mean? So, exactly, yeah. And I think this is, uh, there's two sides to each story, as, uh, as, the, as the true reporters say. <laughs> yeah and you know it's like sports is like it's an entertainment business really and you know we're not making hollywood actors go out and film right now we're not making anybody who's you know like singers going out to do concerts and everything how can we force someone who's performing a non-essential service to go out and do their job or anything you know don't want to delve into that too much but like you know it's just you know we as human beings have a responsibility to ourselves and our families and the people we love and you know that comes before everything else um, Health so. and family are definitely two of the most dominant forces on earth. As much as I love sports, sports mm-hmm. comes after health and family. I will say that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you see all these people who made these decisions to, to opt out. You know, just looking in the AFC East, you had C.J. Mosley, and then you had two Dolphins receivers, I'm pretty sure, and then six players on the Patriots. And then if you look at the Bills, you know, we lost Starla Tulele, who's, you know, a quality run stopper. 
and EJ Gaines, who was probably in best case just fighting for a roster spot. Oh man, what's going? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I got like a big, I got like a big front poof. All right, I'm bringing it all out front here. Oh, you look great. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it, Star has kind of had Bills fans ripping their hair out the last mm. couple of years because he doesn't put up big flashy plays. He doesn't put up big flashy numbers. But yeah, I think that the goal of McDermott and his defense. You see it pretty clear. Let's get somebody in the middle of the defense that can command this unit. Let's get a rotational unit up front of D-line that are fairly interchangeable that can all disrupt the backfield. And then let's have DBs, defensive backs, that take advantage of the situation created in front of them. And I think that's been – that was a perfect storm last year they were able to get going. Yeah, and, you know, even if you take away the losses of Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson, who might never produce at those levels again – you know, we have we brought in AJ Epinesa, obviously for the D line. We got Mario Addison. You know, we don't have a shortage of of you know pass rushers and run stoppers anymore. So that's not something I'm super worried about. But I'm ready to throw something out at you. Um, uh oh. If I Thank were the, you for the warning. Yeah, if I were the Chiefs, I might be a little worried about the early goings of the season. You know, they lost the Laurent Deverney Tardif, their starting guard. They lost Steven Wisniewski, their other starting guard, who they had last year. They lost him in the offseason. And then the guy they drafted in the third round, their guard, he opted out. And he's supposed to be kind of like their Cody Ford. They got him in the third round, start out at guard, maybe kick him out to tackle if he can handle it. And then they lost Damian Williams, who was the 12th best run or pass blocking running back in the NFL last year. So, you know, I'm not going to say the Chiefs are going to, you know, go 2-14 and 14 and then tank for Trevor. But, you know, I think, you know, in the early goings of the season, that could spell some kind of problems for him, maybe open up the top of the AFC. Yeah, the sad thing is with the decline of Tom Brady, there was an emergence of another elite quarterback in the AFC, and his name is Pat Mahomes. That's why he got a $500 million deal. Uh, With that said, you're right. I mean, if you remember some of his plays last year, obviously he likes to create. He likes to be innovative. He likes to buy his guys that extra second to second and a half time by scrambling around. And you saw last year, there were a couple of times where they almost got to him. Like, I mean, he made the play in the Super Bowl. I think it was on third and 15. He basically was, like, sprinting backwards as he chucked it up to Tyree Kill. It was an incredible play. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, with the loss of a couple of those linemen, with the loss of a little bit of that pass protection, even in Damian Williams, like you said, he put up great stats. But that's something that a lot of people are going to overlook, being so good at pass blocking. With with those losses – they could be in a little bit for maybe a bumpy road in the beginning. I like you said, and, exa- and prime time on the road against the Bills. They'll be looking to get after Mahomes, no doubt. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be, you know, stepping in as their basically only running back. Him coming out of the draft this year, biggest worry for him was his pass blocking. So, you know, it's probably going to be a lot of quick throws out to him uh, and, you know, trying to, you know, Mahomes is definitely really good at buying time. That's, you know, why he's great at what he does. He's deadly accurate and he's just a perfect human being I guess except for his Kermit the Frog voice but you know he's you know if if there's one quarterback in the NFL who can handle it it's him but you know I like I like the chances of you know the Bills possibly competing for like you know 11 and 5 12 and 4 and you know being right up there with the Chiefs at the end of the season you got to take it just like last year. You got to take it week to week. I know it's like the biggest cliche in football, you know, game <laughs> yeah. by game, quarter by quarter, down by down, yada, yada. But the most important thing that I'm looking for the Bills to preserve from last year, not even their defense, not even their timely playmaking, not even their ability to win games in the fourth quarter, which they showed on both sides of the ball last year. I am just looking for that underdog mentality. They had the underdog mentality all of it last year. 
There is almost no pow- more powerful force in sports than the no one believes in us angle because it mm-hmm. really unites the whole team. And they have a bunch of guys that fit that. Brown, Beasley, both weren't wanted back by their respective squads. Stephon Diggs, they were able to acquire and a trade for. And it seems like if, you know, all the projections are great, he could be a, you know, a 1,200-yard, 8-10 to 10 touchdown receiver. That would be exactly what our offense ordered. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see. But the one person who's been alluding to that has been Deion Dawkins. If you look at any interview he's done from the beginning of the offseason to just more recently when he did his presser, underdog mentality. So I'm glad they're sticking to that because obviously it's great to be the overdog and you'll be talked about every day, every week. That's what Mm. Bill's fans want, obviously. We do, as much as we don't admit it, we do want to turn on ESPN and see our team every day, see our team being talked about. Mm -hmm. And all you got to do is win for that. So let's be an underdog for right now. And when we finally achieve the winning, we'll get everything else we wanted. Yeah. And you said it is week to week. You know, we got to take it one week, one day at a time right now, especially because, you know, we're not exactly sure if the NFL season is going to start on time or not. Obviously, they're gearing full. We already talked about it. They're, they're, they're really dedicated and, you know, they want to have this, this start in September. But, you know, there's, they, they elected to not go with the bubble like the NBA and the NHL did. And they, they're doing what they called a virtual bubble. And basically, they said... That, you know, in an interview with NPR, I think it was the uh, the chief medical officer for the NFL said, yeah, we wanted to do a virtual bubble, which means that everybody's going to be at their home stadiums and the players and coaches and staff will be living at home with their families. And uh, yeah. And then basically it's like, oh, so it's not a bubble. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the idea of a bubble, you can't have a virtual bubble because outside of an actual bubble, the reality bubble, there are variables. There are all kinds of things you can't really anticipate for you can. You know, obviously, if you want to be home 24 hours a day and only drive to the stadium, I guess you're kind of virtually maintaining the integrity of a bubble. But it's hard to tell players that. It's hard to tell, you know, when they have their families, they want to take their kids to school, stuff like that. So it'll be very interesting to see. But obviously, you hope everybody's going to maintain protocols. I mean, it's all about the bubble. Like you said, NBA and NHL have been absolutely fine. There hasn't even been a blip on their radar yet. MLB has run into a number of issues. You had the St. Louis Cardinals apparently going to a casino. You had the Miami Marlins coming out of Florida and now being the best team in the MLB, but they had <laughs> Corona. They were basically off for the first week of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I mean, the Bills have been praised. I think they were featured on the NFL uh, Twitter or social page. Yeah, I think that was just last uh, night. Sunday yeah. morning? Yeah, or, or Saturday night talking about all how they make the players feel safe. And that's, I mean, that goes a long way. Yeah, no, it really, and watching that, like, you know, and it, it really just, you know, when, when you see companies or like businesses talk about their culture and everything, you're thinking like, okay, this is something that they have to do. But when McDermott talks about it and when his staff talks about it on his behalf, it seems genuine. And the way that they're taking care of their players right now, you know, the way that they talk about their culture, it's showing in their actions too. So, you know, if there's one team that won't ruin this for the NFL, it's the Bills. <laughs> like, I think we can say that pretty confidently. But, you know, you, you have to count on players to, you know, be, you know, mindful of, you know, the risks that they're taking. And, you know, you know when they're going to the grocery store or gloves or, you know, whatever, whatever they're doing, who knows. But, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it all plays out. And I, th- I can't remember who it was, but someone said, like, you know, the, the, the responsible teams won't get, won't, you know, get corona. But, like, you know, it takes one irresponsible team to spread it to locker rooms on locker rooms. So, you know, it's, it's tough to tell. 
there could be some locker room overlap there, but I think uh, there was some legitimacy to that point, obviously that the more responsible teams will be better as it goes on. I almost look at, you know, social distancing and wearing a mask and obviously they have the beepers on their wrists. So they yeah. know like who contacted who I look at that stuff. And this sounds ridiculous, but this is the reality of it as important as strength and conditioning now to the yeah. team, if not even more so. I mean, you saw last year, one of the big areas of praise was that the Bills really didn't lose many man games uh, to injury. They had a couple guys maybe miss a game or two, mm-hmm. but no uh, lengthy injuries. Everybody pretty well conditioned and in good uh, physical strength. Obviously, it would seem from that. And this year, making sure that everybody stays apart, making sure that you know social distancing protocols are brought into play, just mm-hmm. as important. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously it doesn't seem like we'll be going in. There will be an NFL bubble or anything like that. If the season does get post, gets, does get postponed, uh, you know, maybe we could see that as an option. But, you know, maybe we can have a little fun with the idea. Thought it'd be fun to maybe draft our favorite bills that we would love to spend. You know, if we if we were locked in an NFL bubble, who would it be with? And so, you okay. know, we'll take turns. I think each pick, like, four guys sounds good. Okay. A four-man right. squad. I like it. I like it. Oh, yeah. And I'll let you go. You, you know, you're the guest here on the cap, so I'll let you go first. Okay. I mean, this is a pretty obvious pick. Yeah. Not just because he, he's the quarterback, not just because he's kind of the, quote-unquote, center of the team, but also video game guy. I got oh, yeah. to bring this to the play. Big In that bubble, you're going to want video games to be played, and you're going to want a, a person to play video games with, to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of sanity. JA-17, first overall pick. Oh, yeah. No, that's, I think that's the clear cut. There, there's one guy who could have competed with him for the first choice in this, and I'm super excited to be able to take him next. Uh, and that's Trey White. Like, how can you be around that guy and just not be having fun with absolutely everything? He's picking up plays on the ground and reading them, and it's just hilarious. He's taking a bite out of Josh Allen's turkey leg on Thanksgiving. Gotta love it. He's, he's the heart and soul of the defense. He's the heart and soul of the team. So, you know, happy to welcome him into Jake's bubble here. <laughs> Jake's bubble. That's a great pick. And, and, and on my next pick, I could have gone digs here. I just want to say I could have gone digs. I could have started filling out my uh, – you know, video game team. And obviously you got the JA and Diggs connection, but following on what you said, I want someone who's going to make bubble life fun for me. I want someone who's entertaining, someone who could find Mm. entertainment in the small things, sense of humor, et cetera. So you already know who my next pick is. Dion (laughs) Dawkins in the bubble. Welcome to the squad. You know, I got nervous for a second and I I thought you were going between him and someone else. And I'm super happy that with the fourth pick in the Bills all-bubble team draft, that I'm going to take Cole Beasley. Because I just – having him around just freestyling, having his music go around everywhere, he's just such, like, a genuine guy and everything. And he's, like, you know, he's, he's kind of a badass on the field too. And, you know, he's always working to do that extra bit. So, you know, a little bit of grit, a little bit of toughness, a little bit of scrappiness, and, you know, some damn good music in, in the bubble. Put out some damn good music. He'll probably be working on some tracks. That's that's a good pick. Oh yeah. My next guy, I'm gonna go. Uh, you know, a couple of things in the in the bubble. I'm gonna want to learn how to grow some facial hair. Yes. He's also he's also a big video game guy. He's also a big sports Premier League college sports guy because obviously Ooh. coming from LSU. Good pick. I'm gonna take third overall pick for me, Reed Ferguson. He, he was on my list. I was hoping to get him in this or the next one. Um, 
And you know what? This, this makes this pick very easy for me. Again, I was going between two people, and you took one of them. So I got to thank you for doing me the favor. Uh, got to have Stefan Diggs. Got to have him. He's, you know, have him go against Josh Allen in your bubble. You know, I'm building out my video game squad now. And just seeing him in his press conference this week, by the way, like, it's just, he seems like he's like, you know, really already bought into everything, you know, getting on, on a little bit of a tangent. He just seems like he's such a good fit for what the Bills are building here. Um, and yeah, welcome to the bubble. Okay. Okay. So now with this next pick, you know, I'm going to be honest. I, with the first three, I, I've definitely been focusing on the personality, mm-hmm. how they want to act. Now I want someone that's going to keep us all in line. Mm-hmm. We're obviously in the bubble. I want someone that's going to make sure that we're, we're eating right, that we're, we're, we're nutritionizing the right way. Mm-hmm. And also that we're getting our workouts in. I mean, oh, let's face yeah. it. If you're in the bubble, you're going to want to be getting the workouts in. So with our fourth over pick, the last member of, of the Zubble, of the, of the Maniac Bubble here, <laughs> I will select Tremaine Edmonds. He's going to teach us how to get so swole. We're going to be on that <laughs> Tremaine Edmonds workout, and, that, and uh, I think it'll be a good fit. The Tremaine Edmonds workout is I. That man is that man is a absolute monster. Like I I do not want to be a running back or a quarterback seeing him running straight at me. Hell no. Uh, nah. Uh, now I got I got a bit of a decision here, and I'm going between two people for two different reasons. Both were. Let's do let's like, do an honorable mention. Let's do an honorable mention after the. Uh, Oh yeah, we'll do some honorable mentions. Um, I think I'm gonna go. You know, you know, building chemistry here is really, really important. You need to have a bubble where everyone's really, you know, bought into each other. And someone who Stefan Diggs is already bought into, Mr. Stiffarm himself, Dawson Knox. Got it. And getting that good, nice head of hair in the bubble too. You know, he could definitely, you know, make make me, uh, you know, get some good hair product too devil's advocate he might uh he might use all the shampoo so that, that could be that could be very devastating so but you're stuck in a bubble with him wake but <laughs> i think those are two great teams i think any bills fan would want any of those guys in the bubble i will oh, say yeah. my one uh my one honorable mention i gotta go matt barkley i mean every time Ooh, you see yeah. this guy it seems like he knows how to have fun when he came out in the uh in the on the uh road warriors uh pads with the uh spikes on him last year it was just incredible yeah. and it seems like he's having a good time. Also seems like he's supportive. If you look at him on, on the sidelines, some, if you look at any Josh Allen highlight tape from last year and you catch a view of the sideline, you'll constantly see number five. Like there was a, there was a play against the Giants where he made like an 18-yard yeah, yeah. throw in the middle of the field, but he just goes, yes, like that, like, like signaling <laughs> a touchdown. It's like, what? But no, he's just very supportive. That's our guy, Matt Barkley. Yeah, the ultimate hype man, really. I remember he, in, the, uh, in the Steelers game after the – after that touchdown, what's the song that or Renegade touchdown? Yeah, he's on the field like this. Yeah, on the sideline. <laughs> uh, my honorable mention, I gotta go. New addition to the team, so people might not know him too well. He might not make the squad, but I think I think he will, and I think he's gonna be a good offensive lineman in, in, in a couple years. Is Trey Adams, un, the undrafted lineman? Honesty is always the best policy. You and know he's going to be on with you, and, that, and that's huge in the bubble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to put these teams up on the Trainwreck Sports Twitter account tomorrow for you guys to vote on who has the best uh, all-bubble team, me or Maniac. Uh, and I usually, when, my, when I used to do drafts on here, I was, I was pretty confident, but Maniac might be the first one to really give me a run for my money. I mean, let, let's be fair. It wasn't a snake-style draft. It would have been a little bit more fair to you if we had done it that way. So I did have the first yeah. overall pick. So I should win. If I yeah. don't win, then that's a huge – then that's a that's a big uh, 
compliment to your draft abilities. Yes, and and uh, very damnation of your of your draft abilities as well. Well, that's been <laughs> happening for over a decade, so I'm not not worried about that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, same here, same here. So we'll 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 see who comes out on top, and you know maybe maybe someone will do something embarrassing as a result. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe. To wrap this up, uh, you know, we got a lot of fun with the Bills coming this year. We got so many exciting players, so many exciting draft props or player props, you know, for betting and whatnot. It's hard to find a lot of them, so I kind of made a few of my own. Want to pick your brain on some guys and how you see them performing this year. So we'll start out with Josh Allen. Last year he had uh, 29 total touchdowns. I'm going to say over under 29 and a half this year. I will say more, mm. but it's actually going to be like not as many more as people think. A lot of people, there's been a lot of Josh Allen MVP hype, and I understand why. The guy is a beast. They see the run uh, ability that he provides. He can easily contribute 40 to 60 rushing yards per game and make a huge difference in that category. Mm-hmm. The thing that lasts with me about this is that when Dable and McDermott get the lead, they tend to go conservative, and I don't fault them for that. They want to yeah. run the timeout. I, it's not like they just plunge it up the middle, like they call like silly plays or anything, but they kind of want to make you play in a phone booth. If you think about that Steelers game last year that you were talking about, that's yeah. kind of the perfect example. Obviously, they were playing Duck Hodges, so it was a little bit easier, but they want to force that QB to just constantly be in third and long on the defensive side, and then just slowly, efficiently take advantage of that on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, we would love a quick strike offense now that we have Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox developing in his second year. I think that Josh Allen makes a jump, but I would put him at about 31 to 34 touchdowns next year. Not, Not as big as a lot of people are anticipating. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense. And, you know, another game like that was the Giants game. Uh, I went to that one last year towards the beginning of the season. And I remember he had, like, 212 yards at halftime. And we were like, oh, yep. this is going to be the game where he hits 300. And then he got up to, like, 240 just because, you know, that's how, they, that's how they use the game script. With Zach Moss, he's probably going to be a more efficient Frank Gore, really. So, you know, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I think it'd be over what they, I they were They were up 28-14 at half, right, in that, in that Giants game, if I remember correctly? Yeah, something, they were up two touchdowns. I can't remember the exact yeah. score, but, yeah, it was okay. something like that. Um, I'm going to keep with Josh Allen. Over under 3,400 passing yards. This past year, he was at 3,089. 3,089. Okay, so the, the no doubt thing is here is that basically he hasn't lost any of his weapons, and mm-hmm. they got Stephon Diggs. This is kind of where the casinos get Yeah, I think he goes under. I think that they're going to maintain their game plan from last year, which is, you know, uh, even in the beginning of the year, there was a lot of Frank Gore. If you look at the early games of the year, there was what? He was getting about 15 touches plus per game. Obviously, that mm-hmm. lessened as the year went on. Singletary yeah. got more involved. But I think that they're going to look for Zach Moss and Devin Singletary to drive that offense at the beginning of the year, make things easy on Josh Allen. I hate to say, like, you know, it's all about him, but – you don't have to worry about making things easy on Devin Singletary. You don't have yeah. to worry about making things easy on Stefan Diggs. You don't have to worry about making things easy on Jordan Foyer. Put the person who touches the ball every down on offense, make it easy for him. So I think that they're going to pound the run kind of as a way to mislead defenses so that later in the year they can build off on the passing game and that option game, which they obviously wanted to prioritize yeah. in uh, Houston. And, to be honest, I, I hate to always bring this up, but if they got one block in overtime, he would have ran for the touchdown. So Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. That was that was heartbreaking. I that, don't want to get off topic or anything, but you know, being at that game, it was yeah. it was probably the most. You know, I know you you and Al were there too, right? It was. Yeah. It yeah. Was, we were in the we were in the upper deck on the sideline side of the Texans, mm-hmm. where uh, where or no no I'm sorry we we're on the Bills sideline side where Josh Allen like when he when he did the two running plays they were both on the same side of the stadium on the same right, side right. of the field. Mm-hmm. That we were right above that, so we could see like the first play. It was awesome because he literally just shot through right there, and then he was taken off. He got shoestring <laughs> tackled. Yeah. Um, but as that play was developing, you just saw that he had at least two, three blockers, and the Texans at most had two guys in that spot. You were just thinking, "Oh man, this is it!" Mm-hmm. And it all happened so quickly at the NFL level. That's why you know missed blocks happen. That's why great plays happen. Kudos mm-hmm. to, to Cunningham on that play. I mean, that was a sensational Honestly. play by him. So sometimes yeah. you got to tip your cap when, uh, like, you know, when someone drops a pass, you don't tip your cap. But when a guy goes through two blockers to basically save the game for his team, you kind of do got to tip the cap. Yeah, you know, those individual efforts, that's what football's all about, really. Uh, speaking of individual efforts, last year, Ed Oliver drastically improved as the year went on. He took him a while to get his get his sacks going, but he ended up with five, which is pretty good for a rookie D tackle who's in a rotation. So, you know, he's obviously going to take a step this year, hopefully. He's going to have a bigger role. Over under seven and a half sacks for Ed Oliver. Okay, I think we're going to go over. I think, I think we are going to go over. I think he's going to get uh, – they're going to still go rotational, but he's going to get the uh, prime opportunities, those prime cuts of meat. And, and Big Ed's going to eat, let's face it. What, what's he been doing for these past three to four months? He's probably been anticipating that he was going to miss a game or two, right? Yeah. So yeah. all the more reason that he probably went a little – I mean, if I just know – like these guys made the NFL level. They're hard workers. Um, so if you're a hard worker and you want to have the same output in – 14 or 15 games as you were going to have in 16 you might be going a little bit extra harder with the fitness a little bit extra harder with the cardio might be riding that horse for a couple extra miles to get those <laughs> uh that mileage in oh yeah but i am going to go over i can see ed oliver i can see him getting nine sacks this season yeah i feel good i feel good about him getting eight i really really do and he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder and everything after people were saying like oh you got to cut this guy after all this stuff happened this yeah. off season. That's and nonsense. Yeah, that's a whole nother story and a whole load of nonsense. Uh, another all-star we have on the defense, you know, Ed Oliver will be an all-star. Already all-star, Trey Wright. Happy to have him. Blessed to have him on the team, really. He's a national treasure. Over under six and a half interceptions for Trey White. I am going to take the under here. And the reason I will is because I think he's going to finally get the Revis effect he's deserved for two years. Mm. He had an astounding 2017. 2018, the, uh, the defense kind of like had a weird phase in the middle of the season. Yeah, they weren't good at the beginning. They weren't good in the middle of the season because of Derek Anderson. I, put, I do put all the blame on him, even though you can't really do that in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, I think that after 2019, I mean – QBs and coordinators and everything, they're just going to see that throwing the ball at Trey White, even if it is your best receiver, is just not a profitable game plan. Like, nobody really executed on it last year, so I think there's going to be a less volume thrown at him this season. Yeah. I can still see him getting four to five sacks, and I can see him forcing two to three fumbles. I can see him, you know, drawing the wide receivers off sides thanks to cover one. They showed some film of him kind of – he yeah, does this do little move. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, Trey White does this little move like where he kind of anticipates like right before the snap, he'll do like this, like, mm-hmm. and then the receiver will jump offside. I'm like, what the hell? I've never seen that before. <laughs> but uh, 
incredible there. But I think Treyway gets four or five picks. He just doesn't get thrown at as much, which is, a, is technically a good thing for the Bills' defense because it takes away not just the whole side of the field for the offense to use, but most likely their number one wide receiver. Yeah, and there's definitely a huge drop-off between, like, Trey White and whoever's going to be that number two. Uh, if it ends up being Josh Norman is the main number two, uh, you know, he's been in the McDermott defense before, so I think that, you know, he could still be a problem. And then Saran Neal is a solid nickel corner. So no matter where they go, they're going to have problems throwing into our secondary. And I just – I love – I used to not be excited when my teams are not on – offense but the bills are a team that you look forward to seeing them play defense you look forward to seeing you know the havoc they're going to wreak on offenses uh last my spin one zone, my spin zone on that is is anytime like literally over the last two to three years or even going back to no not going back to the rex ryan bills because it was they were just abysmal on the defensive side of the ball yeah. but i was my spin zone getting the best unit back on the field you know would i rather have josh allen and co taking over at the 25 Mm-hmm. Or would I rather have the other team taking over first and 10 inside their own 10? I mean, I think I'd rather have the inside their own 10 because there's an opportunity in the long run for our team to benefit more out of it. Phil, you can't be in the episode, mister. Oh, Prince Phil. God, you know what? He'll be on the next one. Tell, tell, him, okay. tell him his time will come. Next one, Phil. Your time will come. <laughs> All right, last one here. Stefan Diggs, obviously super excited to have him. Uh there's no doubt that Josh Allen can support a number one receiver, despite what the Colin cowards of the world might want to say. Um, so, you know, Stefan Diggs over under 1,100 1, yards, not 11,000. That'd be a little much. <laughs> I am going to go over. And really? the people are, the, the, the criticism has been the deep ball, you know, that they're not going to be able to connect on it, things like that. I think that the area where Josh Allen shined last year is the intermediary routes, those 10 to 20 yard routes. I don't think that's a secret. I'm not, you know, breaking mm-hmm. any news here. <laughs> and I think that Diggs is going to uh, change his route tree accordingly. I don't think we're going to see as many details. I think we'll leave that to John Brown. So mm-hmm. although I'm taking less yards uh, passing, I do see that happening with passing less to Singletary. Mm-hmm. Passing, uh, I think Knox isn't going to make as big a jump as everyone thinks he is, even though he will continue to improve. Mm-hmm. And maybe just a slight regression from Beasley and Brown with Diggs coming in. So I still think that J.A. is going to get into that low 3,000s of, of passing. But, yeah, it'll be his running and his defense that ultimately uh, wins the game. So I think Stephon Diggs does get his over. I think he'll get right around – I mean, that's going to be close. I, it, r- r- whatever happens in that one, if I was betting all those, just to be clear, I wouldn't mm-hmm. bet that one because that one's going to be close. But yeah. I could see him getting right around 1,150, 1,200 yards. And then, you know, see, in my mind, the way I think of it is I think that he and John Brown might have closer stat lines than people are prepared to see. I think that, you know, because, you know, they're both just super talented. They've said before that, like, John Brown is the most overqualified number two receiver in the NFL. I don't think either of them are going to have a problem getting open. So as long as Josh Allen's not just, like, focusing on one guy like we've seen him do at the beginning of his career so far and actually going through his progressions, uh, you know, I think we could see them both having, like, eerily similar stat lines. And, you know, obviously Diggs would probably have 100 yards more or so. But, you know, if Diggs is going to have 1,100, I still think John Brown would have, like, about, like, 950 or so. Yeah, I think the biggest thing in that regard, like you said, choosing the best routes, not getting too focused on one guy. Obviously, you might have a matchup you want to take advantage of, but Josh Allen just continuing to grow as a quarterback as far as reading the defenses. Uh, I think in 2018, he was kind of flying blind. It was just 
I look for my first option, and if it's not there, I'm going to basically run. Like, that yeah. was always Josh Allen in 2018. And it worked because he's, he's pretty much a beast. He was averaging, like, 60 to 80 yards per game, but his passing stats weren't as consistent as they were. Basically, week five through 16 last year, mm-hmm. I think he was as efficient as the Bills wanted him to be. So, hopefully, he continues to be able to read defenses and uh, grow in that area. Yeah, if memory serves, I think he had like 22 touchdowns and only five turnovers in weeks five to 16 or something along those lines, something ridiculous. So, yeah, if he can and build obviously off that, not, yeah. Yeah, obviously not trying to shoehorn out the Patriots game. Like, he did yeah. play badly in that game. But when you look at it, it was it kind of really did serve as a turning point. And even when he played him on the road in prime time later that season, mm-hmm. much more responsible with the ball. Yeah, and he connected on that deep throw to John Brown, which is something that we didn't see a whole lot of last year. That rocket of an arm. Looks yeah, great in sec- shorts. He's oh. off his back foot. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Maniac, that's all we got today. Any last words of wisdom for Bill's Mafia here? No, but uh, a tip of the cap to everybody out there who's staying safe, to everyone out there who's, you know, following procedures, because that's what it's all about. If we want sports, if we want society to continue to return to normal, Follow the protocols. Follow what everyone's uh, saying to do. And, again, it's not about being cheap. It's about being safe. So just keep doing that. Shout-out to everybody doing that. Shout-out tip of the cap to everyone staying safe and following protocols out there. You could not agree more. Shout-out to everybody out there doing their part to make the world, you know, as good of a place as it can be right now. And also shout-out Picasso's Pizza for sponsoring this episode of The Cap. They'll be sponsoring the next one, too. I can promise you that. Until that one, I've been Wake with Maniac. We'll see you next week.